Dual Citizen, The Connection, Chapter 8 After Bobby broke his wife's wrists, things were different. Vera was changed, and Tracy was done with him. Vera told everyone in the high-rise she fell down the stairs, but Tracy wouldn't have it. When someone asked about Vera's cast, and she began to explain about her accident, Tracy interrupted. "'That's not true, Mom,' Tracy said. "'Bobby broke your wrist.' Charlie was right. Tracy was twelve and becoming a man. He was vindicated about Bobby and what an asshole he was. But as hard as Tracy tried, he still wet his bed. He tried everything. No liquids after an early dinner, running around after dinner, and finally no liquids at all except milk in his cereal. None of it worked. Tracy's issue was the scout trip, which Vera had planned since he joined the troop. What was pure dread for Tracy was a bright spot for Vera. She was nostalgic for the Wanderers, and now her son was a member of the National Organization. Vera put Tracy's camping gear on layaway until the end of September. One evening, they came home with his tent, canteen, stove, mess kit, and sleeping bag. By this time, Tracy ate his cereal dry, and lay awake so he could get up every few hours. Tracy was also on edge because the high-rise was noisy with too many people. The door slams were the worst, which were constant and at all hours of the day and night. Scars of the safety chains etched the back of every metal door as a reminder of the trap they lived in. A week before the camping trip, Tracy lay awake in his bed. As Tracy's mind wandered, he realized how exhausted he was. He couldn't understand why the camping trip was such a big deal to his mother. Tracy didn't associate with many of the kids. A lot of the kids couldn't afford camping gear, so they were bringing blankets and pillows from home. Even the scoutmasters weren't very interesting. Besides, they were only going to a park on the other side of D.C., so, actually, they weren't going camping, they were just pretending. It wasn't like they were going on a trip to the farm with fishhooks, moose, or Miss Odell. Tracy was wide awake and stared at the ceiling. Freddy snored a little eleven-year-old snore, which would have been cute to a father. It was annoying to Tracy, although not as annoying as Freddy's sleep-talking. Freddy talked in his sleep since he was little, and Tracy could get him going. Tracy asked him questions, and Freddy would answer. Usually, what Freddy said didn't make sense, but his words were quite understandable. Unfortunately, Tracy told his mother about the phenomenon. One night, as Vera checked on Tracy, she heard Freddy talking. Is he doing it? Vera whispered. Yep, Tracy said. And Vera was intrigued. It won't work, Freddy said, and he was frustrated. Why won't it work? Vera said, and she gently sat on the edge of Freddy's bed. You don't want to do that, Mom, Tracy warned. Shh, Vera hushed. Mom, I'm telling you, you don't want to do that, Tracy repeated. Don't talk to him. Why not? Vera asked. You never know what's going to come out of his mouth, Tracy explained. 
but Vera was enthralled with her little boy dreaming his dreams and telling her all about it. "'It's just so hard,' Freddy said, and frowned with his eyes closed. Vera stroked Freddy's hair. "'What's so hard, baby?' "'I can't get it to work,' Freddy said. "'What are you doing, baby?' Vera asked. "'I'm trying to play tennis,' Freddy said. "'Playing tennis?' Vera repeated, very impressed. "'Are you winning?' "'No, it's too hard to hit the balls.' "'Mom,' Tracy warned, "'I'm telling you,' and he shook his head. Vera shot him a look. "'Why is that, honey?' Vera asked her littlest angel. "'I can't hit the balls hard enough to get them over the net,' Freddy explained. "'Why is it so hard to hit the balls over the net?' Vera asked. "'Because the dildo won't work,' Freddy said. Vera scowled at Tracy before she stormed out of the room. The next morning, Tracy ate his cereal as Freddy came into the kitchen. Vera was making brownies for them to take to school. When she saw Freddy, she beat the batter hard with her wooden spoon. "'What's wrong with Mom?' Freddy asked. "'Wouldn't it be easier to use the mixer?' "'I suppose you'd use a dildo,' Vera exploded. Freddy's jaw dropped, and he looked at Tracy. "'I'll explain it to you later,' Tracy said, and dove back into his cereal. Now, Tracy smiled at his reverie as Freddy snored. Tracy went to the bathroom again. By the time he got back, his mind was swimming with worry. All his remedies had hit a wall. There was nothing new to think about. No other possible workaround. Tracy was stuck, and he knew it. Why not ask me? The tall, shiny silver figure said. Tracy ignored him, but sarcastically thought, How could you possibly help me? Tracy felt the tall, shiny silver figure smile. His fog was gone, even though he was with Tracy fully, just without his light. Tracy knew the light was there. He just couldn't see it. He only felt it. Oh, no, Tracy thought indignantly. You were the one who got me in trouble the last time. There was no response. You remember, Tracy said aloud like a twelve-year-old. The dogs and guns, everyone running around, Rand, and making everyone think I was crazy. No, I think I've had enough of that. There was no response, and the tall, shiny silver figure waited. Freddy snored. Somehow, Tracy knew this was just between the two of them. Tracy knew nothing he said or did would wake his little brother, and he stared at the ceiling. The tall, shiny silver figure who loved Tracy stood next to him and waited. Then Tracy's thoughts came back to the camping trip. Immediately, fear and dread came over him like a thick, dark blanket. Why not ask me? The tall, shiny silver figure repeated. Ask you what? Tracy said, but knew the answer. Then he thought, how? Just ask me for my help, and I will give it to you. Tracy thought that was a little too easy. There was nothing easy about his mom marrying an idiot bully who moved them to D.C. 
There was nothing easy about living in a high-rise, with all these people slamming their doors, or having to go on this idiotic camping trip his mom was so crazy about him going on. Maybe she should go, Tracy thought. Then he stopped, because Tracy felt another smile from him that was gentle, and wanted to hold him. Why not ask me? The tall, shiny silver figure asked a third time. How? Tracy asked aloud. Tracy meant how he should ask, but he also didn't know how the tall, shiny silver figure could possibly make him stop wetting the bed. I will, if you let me, he answered. Tracy still didn't know how to ask, but thought he wanted to. Just ask me to help you, the friend said. Okay, was all Tracy actually said, but Tracy released his doubt and accepted his help. Instantly, Tracy's mind was changed. His body followed as Tracy felt his repentance, and he was fixed. Tracy knew he wouldn't wet his bed that night. Then Tracy felt such joy he didn't think he could ever go to sleep. This made the tall, shiny silver figure smile again, which made Tracy realize the tall, shiny silver figure was peace. So, Tracy would be able to sleep, which was a marvelous puzzlement. Then, Tracy felt the tall, shiny silver figure go while his presence stayed, and there was a deep quiet where Tracy's heart was. Because Tracy knew he was fixed, he slept well. In the morning, Tracy bounced out of a bed that was bone dry. He went to the bathroom, came back with a swagger, and changed into his clothes without a shower. When Freddy saw this, he got up and rubbed his eyes. What's with you? Nothing, Tracy said, like a character wearing a fedora in a black and white movie. Nothing at all, my good man. Tracy went to the kitchen and hugged his mother. She sipped her coffee and vaguely watched the news. Then Vera looked at her son, who was so radiant it hurt her eyes. It's over, Mom, Tracy said, and skipped to a cereal bowl and poured. What's over, honey? Vera asked. You'll see, Tracy said. Freddy arrived very sleepy. Vera looked to see if he knew, but her littlest man just shrugged his shoulders. Was everything okay last night? Vera asked. Bright as rain, my good woman. Tracy lilted, but realized what he said. I mean, there's no rain, no water, no nothing, and there won't ever be again. Tracy, Vera said sharply, is it wet or not? Tracy stopped fooling around and went to hug his mother again. That's what I'm trying to tell you, Mom. It's over. I'm through wetting my bed. How do you know that? Vera asked. Yeah, Freddy blurted. How? I just know, Tracy stated. It will be okay. And both Vera and Freddy were okay with that for the moment. But that night, Tracy wanted to pluck Bobby's nerves. Tracy knew he would be fine, so as soon as he got home, he drank all the juice in the refrigerator. Then he started on the soda. By dinner time, Tracy drank gallons of water. Freddy was more than skeptical, and Vera became perplexed. Don't worry, my darling mother, 
Tracy said in a vintage 1930s accent. It is most certainly over, and there's simply nothing anyone can do about it. And he toasted his glass and guzzled more. Vera did love her old movies. She and the boys watched them every Saturday while she did laundry. But this was a little much, and Vera was still concerned about Tracy's upcoming camping trip. You really ought to consider what you're doing, Bobby growled quietly. Tracy drained the rest of his glass before he looked Bobby straight in the eye. Oh, we know what we're doing, Tracy said. We? Freddy asked. Tracy looked at his brother and mom and smiled brightly. Don't worry, Tracy assured them. We got this. And they did. Tracy was dry as a bone the next morning, and the morning after that. There was no issue with this scout trip, and Tracy had a new friend and confidant. Hello, everyone. Tracy here. I hope you're enjoying my story. We'll let you know how to support this podcast later. But for now, the best thing you can do is follow us and share it with your friends and family. So if you like what you're hearing, please help us out by telling people about it. And thanks again. When he got back from camping, barely a week had gone by before Tracy had his next visit. Do you remember the vision I gave you when you were three? The tall, shiny silver figure asked. Now, Tracy had a better idea of who he was, even though Tracy still didn't know his name. But somehow, since Tracy put his faith in him, Tracy knew he could share anything with him, say or think anything, and talk to him as best friends do. What vision? Tracy asked as he got ready for bed. Tracy remembered the dogs, guns, and the posse, but he was a little hazy about what caused the commotion in the first place. I will give it to you again in a dream, he said. And tomorrow I want you to draw the vision in art class. Okay, Tracy said. Paint the vision and make it plain were the instructions given at the end of the dream, but not before Tracy was reminded of all he had experienced. Tracy remembered his three-year-old self being taken up before the doctor put his body in the ice water. Tracy relived the sheer majesty of being in his full presence as he sat in his lap, and he showed Tracy the picture book. At the end, Tracy saw the marvelous page when he stopped and said, Remember this, Tracy. Just get here. When he woke, Tracy came back to his twelve-year-old self abruptly. The metal doors of the apartment building banged, and the chains swung and clawed at each other. Tracy missed the bliss of being three and loathed the skeptical presence in the room. So Tracy lay in bed, something he usually didn't do, and held the vision for as long as he could before he had to get up for school. "'Come on, man!' Freddy insisted and tied his shoes. "'What's with you today?' Tracy made it to school, and in art class the teacher introduced a new project. It was November, 
and the sixth graders got to work. You better quit it, or you're going to get me in trouble again, Tracy thought. But you do not understand depth perception, the tall, shiny silver figure said. I don't understand depth perception, Tracy repeated aloud. There is no talking in class, the teacher said without looking. See, Tracy exclaimed inaudibly. There you go again. As Tracy drew, the tall, shiny silver figure spoke in Tracy's ear. This was strange, because they had never had a conversation in a public place before. No one could hear the tall, shiny silver figure, which was the norm. But he was insistent, and Tracy had a hard time answering him silently. His instructions also came fast and furious, because the tall, shiny silver figure was very excited. What tree roots grow over rocks? Tracy huffed. Mr. Staples, and the teacher looked at Tracy this time. Is it possible for you to create art without consulting your muse aloud? Yes, ma'am, Tracy thought. Did you hear me? the teacher asked. I mean, yes, ma'am, Tracy said. Then he thought, See, you're going to get me in trouble again. Just like the first time. Yet Tracy continued drawing a tree with autumn leaves in the foreground. Water flowed in front, and a house was behind to the left. But he insisted the tree's roots grow out and over the rocks before they reached the water. Tracy had seen trees that grew next to the river behind Granny's house. They were at the water's edge, like at the lake in Virginia, and there weren't any big rocks. But Tracy did it anyway. Now, he said, cut the ends off the roof of the house. Tracy had never seen a house with its roof cut off at a 45-degree angle on the ends, although Tracy knew exactly what he meant. When the tall, shiny silver figure spoke, he simultaneously showed Tracy. However, cutting the ends off the roof made no sense whatsoever. Won't it leak? Tracy thought. And then he got smart. Didn't you design the ark? Did Noah cut the corners off the roof on the ark? Cut the ends off the roof, Tracy, he said. Tracy reluctantly got his eraser and fixed to the roof. Tracy knew he was pleased, but he wasn't done. Now, put a mountain in the background to the right, he stated. But I just drew the fence right below the sunset. Tracy argued. That is fine. That is where the fence is. Just put a mountain in front of it. Tracy didn't understand, but felt it had something to do with depth perception. Exactly, he confirmed. The fence is there. You just cannot see it from this vantage point. So Tracy drew a light brown mountain in front of the fence. Then he reached for dark brown to work on the tree trunks. There are no trees on this mountain. He said. What mountain doesn't have trees on it? Tracy yelled out. Mr. Staples! The teacher shouted. I'm sorry. Tracy answered, but he really wasn't. Tracy tried to calm down to get this over with, but he knew it wouldn't be until the picture was finished. The problem was Tracy actually didn't know what his friend meant, even though he was shown. I want you to make it flow like wheatgrass, 
the tall, shiny silver figure said. Tracy felt his motion as he undulated side to side, which made Tracy smile. Then Tracy mimicked him and started a sideways dance move. Flow like wheatgrass, Tracy thought, and kept doing what looked like the snake. Unknown to Tracy, his classmates noticed his music-less gyrations. Like this, he said. Out of the corner of his eye, Tracy saw the tall, shiny silver figure move back and forth. His image was unclear, as if Tracy was riding his bike on a hot day, and waves of heat from the road distorted his figure. Then the tall, shiny silver figure took Tracy's arm, pressed Tracy's hand down to the paper, and made a series of flowing strokes. Tracy's arm felt wonderful and full of life. Tracy felt the pressure and temperature of the wind against the grass waving in the crisp fall air. Most remarkably, it seemed the motion and feeling Tracy experienced actually created the grass on the page. "'What is that?' Tracy asked, referring to the marvelous feeling in his arm. "'That is possession,' he said, and Tracy realized that if he asked more questions, he got more answers. "'What is possession?' "'Possession is nine-tenths of the law,' he said." which went over Tracy's head. Tracy thought of the next. What's the first tenth? The tithe, he said. As they continued, Tracy knew all of their conversations were for his education. Later, the tall, shiny silver figure brought Bible verses to Tracy's mind to prove his point. But from this moment on, Tracy knew he wanted to understand all the wisdom given to him. At the moment, Tracy and the tall, shiny silver figure had been undulating for a while. This inspired his classmates to do the snake too, but silently. All Tracy felt was the warm power of his love, which inhabited his arm while they created the flowing grass. Ooh, Tracy said. That feels great. And Tracy heard the echo of his loud moan. Tracy looked up, and the whole class was undulating and giggling. His teacher was baffled and too amazed for words. Then the tall, shiny silver figure laughed, which tickled Tracy to laugh, which caused the whole room to let out their joy. They laughed and laughed, most not knowing why. But there was a good reason. Love was there. Okay, class, the teacher eventually said. We all have our own way of creating art, but let's get back to work. See, <laughs> Tracy laughed. I knew you would get me in trouble. But both Tracy and the tall, shiny silver figure knew it was a triumph. They had shattered the skeptical presence and brought the joy from the dream of the vision onto the page. Then Tracy and his friend finished the mountain of grass in front of the fence. Tracy made the angle of the setting sun, and he thought the picture was done. Now, put a cross in the distance, he said gravely, and Tracy was shown the size and shape of the cross he was to draw, just to the left of the house with the cut-off corners. Oh, Tracy thought smartly. I ride the yellow bus home from school. 
There was no answer. His friend's mood was changed, and he was very serious. Sticks and stones might not break your bones, Tracy thought, but they might break this sissy boy's bones on my way home. There was no response. Do you really want me to be made fun of for putting a cross in my picture? Tracy asked. I did not want to do it either, the tall, shiny silver figure answered. But I did. Tracy felt this, even though he didn't fully understand. It was a matter of obedience and the greater thing, which was a hard sell to a twelve-year-old. But Tracy looked for the right color, and gray caught his attention. It was more colorless than black or white. Gray hung in between, just like the cross. Tracy began drawing the cross in silence, and the tall, shiny silver figure took possession of Tracy's arm again. This time the urgency, motion, and excitement were absent as they colored it in. When the cross was finished, he left Tracy's arm, and a peaceful quiet remained. Then the picture was complete, and with that the vision was made plain. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you would like to purchase the book, Dual Citizen, it is available on Amazon. Be sure to search for Dual Citizen, The Connection. All three books, The Connection, The Training, and The Arrival, are available in print as well as on Kindle. Dual Citizen, The Connection, is also available on Audible. So... If you would like to skip ahead and see how everything turns out, feel free. But don't tell your friends the ending. Thanks again, and we hope everyone will find their place at the table.